Hello, Tech fans, and welcome in to another edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast, episode 114. We are originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Whether you're watching live on Facebook, watching archived on YouTube, listening on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud, however you consume the Tech Sideline Podcast, we are so glad you could join us today as we record on Monday, February the 3rd. We have the best podcast crew in the world with you today. We've got the best <laughs> producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart, behind the scenes producing, getting ready to take your questions for the end of the show on the podcast set. He is the managing editor of TechSideline.com. He is Chris Coleman. We've got the founder, the general manager. He is Will Stewart, and I am your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Again, we're glad you are with us. We're recording on Monday, February 3rd. A lot to talk about today. We're going to be talking about football recruiting. There were a couple of big-time recruits in Blacksburg this weekend. We'll talk about that, plus a commitment on Sunday night in the receiving court. We'll talk about that. We'll also discuss Virginia Tech men's basketball. A tough weekend. Hokies played Florida State close. How do we break down that game? What does Chris and Will think? We'll get to that in a little bit. And we'll spend some time talking about the 1999 Virginia Tech football team because it was in the news last Thursday with episode one of Vic, the 30 for 30 on Michael Vic being in the news. Will has some great numbers about some of the players on those teams from 99, 2000, 2001. All that and more coming up on the Tech Sideline podcast which is brought to you each and every week by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their office in Blacksburg, they're able to serve the entire Commonwealth of Virginia. Whether you are charged with driving under the influence or speeding, the Fisher Law Firm realizes that each case is important to the client. To date, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people charged with a moving violation. For free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031. That number again, 1-800-680-7031. Or you can email them at info at fisherlegal.com. With that, happy day after the Super Bowl day to all of you on the podcast happy set. Day after Groundhog Day. Yeah. So let me jump in here and say my wife pointed out last night that yesterday's date was a palindrome. Yeah. 0202-2020. So I want to throw this out there, the Facebook Live crowd. Have we lived through another palindrome date? Are we going to live through another palindrome date? I don't exactly know what that means. However, uh, my sister was born on 020202. Okay. So oh, that's right. another, February 2nd, 2002. So in, so in 2021, December 2nd, you're going to have 1202-2021. So that'll be a wow. palindrome date. I just figured that out. That's cool. I used to be smart, and every once in a while it pops up again just briefly, and then I go back to being me. Yeah, I'll put too many numbers in my head. Let's let's move <laughs> let's, on. Let's move on. I, I do want to point this out for those watching. I don't know if, if this was random. I don't know if this is for Kendall, Ful Kendall Fuller and the Chiefs what we're talking about, but Chris Coleman – is wearing a red shirt it's, it's, today. It's red and maroonish. I, I don't know. What do you think? Look at the match between your shirt and the helmet. It's close. Is it really? I think it's. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, I did, I'm audio, just thinking about this. Actually, crops. might be more burgundy. This might be more. Florida I was State. just trying to you know wine, make the connection. You know. The red shirt. Plus, we're going to be talking about recruits today, so maybe you know. Right. The term red shirt comes up today. So uh, let's dive into what we're going to open up the podcast with. That was Super Bowl 54 taking place on Sunday night. The Chiefs uh, come from behind to knock off the 49ers 31-20. to Quickly, before we talk about Kendall Fuller, Will, the whole nine yards from your Super Bowl day, uh, the game itself, whatever, Fuji ate, how was your Super Bowl Sunday? You know, I'm not a big Super Bowl guy. I, I, I sat there in the living room the whole time it was on, and I just kind of kept an eye on it to, to get an idea of the flow of the game. Um, 
And when once it was 20 to 10, it was looking like it was going to get out of reach for the Niners. I thought, okay, I'll keep an eye on it and see uh, see if it turns into a good game again. And it did. So the the Chiefs scored three touchdowns in how many minutes? Well, they were down what 20 to 10 with like 10 minutes to go or something. Said, I think they had, said three touchdowns in five minutes. That I think it, like, they had three consecutive touchdown drives yeah. down in the fourth quarter. Yeah. yeah. And there was there was a big like third and 15 play where they completed a pass, mm-hmm. something like 35 Kill. 45 yards. Yeah. And, and man, you know, these these 60 minute football games, sometimes they come down to a play or just and we talk about this all the time. One, two, three plays that if they went the other way, you know, the outcome is completely different. And, of course, that happened to Virginia Tech a lot last year. Notre Dame, just get a stop on fourth down. Yeah. You know, Kentucky, just get a stop on fourth North down. Carolina. Yep. That one went the other Miami. way. Miami. did that. Yeah. yeah. Literally one play you, at the end. You are who your record says you are. Yeah, like eventually it all season. evens out. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like an episode of Seinfeld. It evens out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How was your Super Bowl Sunday, Chris? Oh, it was good. I slept in, watched the Tottenham game. Mm, they win? They beat Manchester City. Yeah, That's a good win. Did. Yeah, it is. Uh, went to the gym and then – Chilled out and watched nice. the game. Well, I, I went to the gym, too. I, I watched the first half of the game all the way up through the end of Shakira and then turned it off. That's all I cared about. You didn't watch the second half? He blew a fuse watching Shakira. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was done. <laughs> uh, no, I just – I didn't I, – I think this is actually the first time in, like, three years that I've watched any of the Super Bowl. I just don't really care about the NFL. So, here's a little nugget for you. J-Lo is 50 and Shakira is 43. Yep. So. Uh, real quick, so – uh, there were two two things that were notable about Virginia Tech that kind of tied into the Super Bowl. Number one, if you saw the Shakira J Lo halftime performance, did you see all of the memes that have been made about Shakira, <laughs> the and, gobble, and the gobble, <laughs> and how great. that relate? Like someone tweeted quickly, like Virginia Tech fans on third down, and it was that video of Shakira. <laughs> ah, okay, so that little was little going. Little it right. did. It did sound exactly like a oh, like like the turkey call over uh, the loudspeakers on third. Did down. Did you see uh, Bailey Angle's tweet That's, that I retweeted? I, I have this up that? right now. So Bailey Angle tweeted this at nine fifty three. A good friend of well mine, before, Bailey. Angle, well before the end of the game, he goes, "Quote." If Kendall Fuller has the Super Bowl ceiling interception on the same night as Shakira gobbling, this will be the greatest event for Virginia Tech since the 1995 Sugar Bowl. Close quote. And then 20 minutes later. It was like 20 minutes later. They Fuller yeah. got the game's clinching Kendall Fuller makes the game ceiling interception. Uh, picks off Jimmy Garoppolo at midfield. Chiefs come out and take a knee. So, Will. Was that the greatest event for Virginia Tech since the 1995 Sugar Bowl? No, but it was pretty cool. You know, <laughs> didn't get kudos to Bailey. Every once in a while, you say something and you and, and it comes true, and your Twitter blows up. And my my probably the best tweet I've ever had in my entire life was when uh, I picked. Uh, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. I picked Virginia Tech to beat Arkansas in that uh, Belt 35 Bowl, 35 to 24. That's right. And at halftime, it was 24 to nothing. And I tweeted out. You know, it's 24 nothing. I picked Tech to win 35-24. I think you can do the math. And an hour and a half later, two hours later, of course, I get to go back in and retweet and say, just wanted to remind y'all right. I tweeted this out. And kaboom, your Twitter blows up. You, you also picked Alabama to beat Virginia Tech 35-10 to in that in that kickoff game. Yeah, that year, yeah I picked yeah. that score exactly. Yeah. I've, 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 I've laid some eggs, but I've also picked some scores exactly. Uh, you know, we could dedicate a whole show to that, our best and worst predictions. Um. Chris and I both picked UCLA to smoke tech in that. Uh, was that what year was that? 2013, 2013 uh, Sun Bowl. 2013 Sun Bowl. Man, the people in our preview article they got mad. mad at us. And then it, 
It didn't happen exactly the way I thought it would, but the final score was Brett Hundley, right? That was the quarterback for UCLA. Yeah. I remember yeah. picking uh, Virginia Tech to lose to Georgia in the Chick Fil A Bowl. In the Chick Fil A Bowl. Wow, you were you you that was like uh, you'd only been with us like a year and a half at that point. Yeah. I thought they were I didn't I knew, they had a true freshman quarterback, obviously who's Stafford, right? Stafford in the yeah. NFL now, but. Uh, their defensive line was so good, particularly their defensive ends. I just didn't feel like our offense was going to be able to do anything. And and I'm like, yeah, they're only 8-4, and four, but I just think it's a matchup thing. And yeah. That was probably my best one. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, Kendall Fuller, the uh, game-sealing interception. That was pretty cool. Pretty cool moment and for And like I said, uh, that, that's Tech. what five-star recruits do. They they have good college careers and go on to win Super Bowls. So, congratulations to uh, Kendall Fuller. Cool moment there for Virginia Tech football. And uh, that's how we open up the show with the Super Bowl. Again, as I mentioned – we're going to talk a little bit of uh, Virginia Tech football recruiting. Busy weekend uh, with a couple of, uh, I believe, unofficial visits. Uh, or were they official? Uh, the guy who committed was official. It was. Yeah. Okay. So a little bit of both. Uh, we will talk about uh, the Vic documentary. Will's got a really interesting um, piece of paper he printed out just talking about. Which is the, related. It's yes. not per se about the Vic documentary, but it kind of ties into that same We'll era. talk about both because, like you said, it ties in the same era. But we are going to begin – Talking about Virginia Tech men's basketball. Tough week for the Hokies. Tough, like, week and a half stretch. The loss to Boston College. The loss to Miami. And then the loss to Florida State on Saturday. Uh, what was it? 73 to... 74-63. Uh, 74-63. Yeah. Final score. Uh, over 9,000 in attendance. It was a sellout. That was a good crowd. Yeah, it was well, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, I thought it was a pretty normal Saturday crowd for these for an yeah. ACC game. But, but, yeah, but there good, were good people crowd. all the way up to the corners. Yeah. As, yeah. as opposed to what we call the StubHub sellout, where there are large right. groups of tickets unused. Mm-hmm. Uh, no player for Florida State scored over double digits, except for Devin Vassell. Well, he went way over double <laughs> he digits. He had a pretty good game. <laughs> he had a 27 points, 7 of 7 from 3, 8 of 10 from the field, 4 of 4 from the free throw line. Again, as the Seminoles just took an early lead, and while the Hokies cut the deficit to, I think, 4 there in the first half, uh, had a chance to maybe take the lead. Just felt like will the Seminoles just kept the, the the foot on the gas pedal and never really let Virginia Tech back in the game. They're, they're a really good team. Uh, I don't know that they're the number five six team in the country because the ACC's down, but yeah. they're obviously very tall. They've got enough experience on that team. Um, it's kind of the same Florida State team that you see every year. year. After I mean, year they're, they're after all year. the same. Some versions are a little better than others. They should have recruited Jalen Cohn. Oh, you God. Know, they they should have signed just, just to do something just different. Just for the novelty of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. But, yeah. And, and you know, that was that was the worst game Cohn's had in a while. Uh, Imagine that, right? Yeah. When the guy that's guarding you was a foot taller than you probably. Um, yeah. So, the, so they're, they're one of those teams that they've always been a tough matchup. They were really focused on Virginia Tech, too. Leonard Hamilton had a – his opening statement yesterday, and this was unprompted. He just walked in and said it. It was a long statement. I should have printed it out to read it. But basically he said, we won this game today because we turned on the film and saw what Virginia Tech did this year. They weren't who anybody thought they were going to be this year. And now everybody's taking them seriously. And we won this game because we're taking them seriously. Yeah. Because, but we took them seriously because of the work They've done this year. The body of work. The body, their body of work. Now, what that also implies is that Michigan State and, and NC State and teams like that. Maybe, and maybe early Duke when right, Tech right, played right. Duke in December. Exactly. Maybe, maybe Virginia Tech was not taken as seriously at that point as they're being taken right now, yeah. which, is, which is a fair point. Well, and um, so I've got some numbers here that we'll get into in a second. They're about individual players, but I think this, this applies to the whole team. 
you know, teams have learned to defend the perimeter, really overplay at the three-point line. Mm. And, and, you know, Virginia Tech's just not getting into the middle and, and taking advantage of the space in the middle. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. I, I don't want to really criticize individual players, but you, you take a Justin Robinson or a Seth Allen and put him on this team, and you can't do that. Right. You know, and, and they're missing that ability to drive to the basket and score. I think Wabisa Beattie's got the ability to drive to the basket and score. He just doesn't do it, you know, for, for whatever reason. Well, he's not confident. And when you and miss when you, when you miss layups like he did on Saturday against Florida State and you miss jumpers in the lane like he did against yeah. Boston College, then you wouldn't be confident, right? Well, and he so just – he's, he's just not a – he's just not a scorer. Yeah. And he's not going to be. He's almost – he's over halfway through, two-thirds of the way through his junior year. That's just not who he is. But – if you go back and read a scouting report coming out of high school, like I mentioned this on the show last week, if you're a TSL subscriber and you read that scouting report when he was coming out of high school, you would not be expecting him to be a scorer. Right. Yep. I mean, that's that's not who he was. Um, so he's exactly who we thought he was coming out of high school. Yeah, and, and, and teams have figured it out, so they're defending Tech differently. So, so let me throw some numbers yeah, out. Yeah, please do. Um, so, and this is a couple individual players, but like I said, it kind of applies to the whole team because you, you could say the same thing about Hunter Couture, for example, over this same, same time frame. So, P.J. Horn started out and made 17 of his first 33 three-pointers this year. I don't know how many games that was over. 51.5%. Uh, Since then, he's 9 of 47 from three-point range, 19.1%. So, th that, that first stat was probably eight, nine, maybe ten games in. So ever since then, he just hasn't been a well, good three. And, and UVA game, he was 0 of 9. And, and on Saturday, he was 0 of 6. 0 of 6 yeah. All right, so that's 0 of 15. So that means in the other games. 9 of 32, which is still 27. Still not good, right, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so Landers Nolly in the first uh, eight games through the BYU game, if, if I've got my numbers correct, Landers Nolly was 27 of 53 from outside, which is 50.9%, slightly over 50%. Since then, he's 30 of 105, which is 28.6%. So teams have learned how to defend Virginia Tech in general, you know, and it was good to see. So, so Jalen Cohn provided a little relief a few games ago, starting out coming, coming, uh, coming off the bench, I think, against mm -hmm. Syracuse. He didn't start that game, right? Not the one in the not, carry. Not the one he, yeah. did it, he did it for Virginia Tech. Yeah, so – he provided a little relief, so he kind of masked what was going on with the rest of the team. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, Hunter Couture's also dropped off. And, oh, he, and then he stepped back up on Saturday. Well, part yeah. of the reason Tech didn't get absolutely blown out was Couture coming off the bench and scoring what for him was 10 quick points mm -hmm. in the first half, a couple three-pointers and getting in. Then only had one field goal attempt in the second half yeah, after a strong first it's, half. It's uh, I, So I, I several things come to mind while we're talking about all this stuff. Uh, we, we sat here at one point in time and I said, listen, there are going to be games where this team can't hit the broadside of a barn mm -hmm. and games where they'll have multiple guys hitting and they'll blow somebody out. I don't know that that second part's true. I don't know that that's going to happen. I hope it does. But I just they haven't had lately more than one or two guys firing on, on you know, maybe six out of eight cylinders. Um, <laughs> what else? Uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. Um, I'll read off some numbers quickly while I think about from the game. So Tyrese Radford had over 20 against Miami. He's the one guy who's not absolutely hitting a wall. Uh, he yeah, had 18 it, points against Florida State and six rebounds. Because his game isn't reliant on shooting. His game is just reliant on driving and, and being tough. And even if you've hit a wall, if you're good at those two things, 
you know, you can still be effective. Yeah, so the stats, a lot of the guys have dropped off since the first eight or ten games. He's the opposite. Mm-hmm. He's gone in the opposite direction. And that's another thing that has masked some of what's happening with, with the rest of the team. It's, um, it's, and it's not a surprise. Look, if Virginia Tech played in a, another ACC team, let's say a, a, Virginia, a typical Virginia Tech team or a typical typical anybody's team that's primarily made up of sophomores, juniors, and seniors. If that Virginia Tech team played a team who, whose playing rotation was two-thirds freshmen and whose starting center was 6-5, we would expect to crush that team, right? Like, yeah. that team should stink. Yeah, so, right? so there are stretches where they stink. Right. I mean, they get outscored. Right, right, yeah. Was it 24-2 to against Miami? Yes. Oh, yeah, my. That, 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 was like, that was like, remember uh, Jamon and Zabian's team at Rutgers that year? It was like a 30 to nothing run. Was that Jamon and Zabian's team? Yeah, it was and, when they were and, freshmen. And Bryant Matthews it, was still playing for that team. He was right? a senior, yeah. They were, it, was when they, it was when Coleman Collins, Bryant Matthews, Zabian and Aldell were freshmen. And they went to Rutgers, and they got up like 3-2. to two. So, here's, yeah, yeah, here's a story there. I think what – was that the game where they actually got whistled for dunking in warm-ups? No, that was St. John's. Okay. So, yeah, uh, uh, Rutgers comes out and hits a two. Tech comes out and hits a three. And then Rutgers, uh, Tech gives up 30 straight points. 30 straight 30. points. I remember listening to that on the radio because it wasn't on television. <laughs> it was 32-3. to three. I listened to it also. Um, Man. Yeah. So, these, and, you know. And, and that team, went, you know, they went 15-14. and 14. When they, That was a freshman-laden team also. In their yeah. last year in the Big East, nobody expected them to be any good. So, I mean, freshman teams, they're going to have bad nights. Um, and especially this one when you've got six freshmen. It's one thing to, like, have three freshmen like yeah. that team. Six of them? I mean, th- this team played better at the beginning of the year than they had any business playing. Landers Nolly made shots early in the year that he shouldn't have made. And it's affected his judgment and his uh, – w- Could be, what, do you, yeah. what, what, what do you want to call it? Uh, his shot selection. Right. As the season has gone on. And I wrote an article last week, uh, an advanced stats article on Tech's freshmen through the years in basketball. And this group is way ahead of past year's groups. Uh, the problem is there's just too many of them on one team. Like Tech's freshman-laden teams in the past has generally been two to three guys. Like when they have had to rely on freshmen, it's never been more than like three of them. Man, this year it's six of them, man. Yeah. Landers Nolly, his usage rate, which is – you know, without getting all technical, basically shows how much how, the offense flows through. Him, how right? much the offense flows through a particular player, and his usage rate is something like thirty-three percent. And the next closest freshman over the last fifteen years was like twenty percent. Yeah. And generally, freshmen, the higher their usage rate, the less efficient they are as far as their offensive rating. And that's definitely the case with with, with Nolly. You just don't, you don't want to put too much on a freshman's shoulders, but you don't have an, any choice this year because everybody else is a freshman. Yeah, so so Chris wrote this article, and he's got a graph in the article which charts freshmen going back to 2007. 2007 uh, so Delaney's <clears throat> freshman season. Yeah, so 07, 08, I think. So it's a chart of Virginia Tech freshmen from the past, and mm-hmm. it maps their usage rate versus their offensive efficiency. And it's an interesting chart to look at because – the guys are generally clustered in the middle. And then here's Landers Nolly with a really high usage rate mm-hmm. and, a, and relatively low offensive efficiency. Yes. He's hanging out there as a data point all by himself on the horizontal axis. And on the vertical axis, you've got Tyrese Radford way up there all by himself because his usage rate is fairly low, but his offensive efficiency is insanely high. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's funny to look at this graph with all these guys clustered in the middle and two freshmen from this year's team at opposite ends of the two axes. Yeah, so so it's it's 
being critical of Nolly, and I'm not saying he doesn't need to make improvements because he certainly does, but Virginia Tech is asking him to do things this year that they've never asked a freshman to do before yeah, because they don't have any choice. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong individually with any player on this team. There's nothing wrong with Wabi Sabidi. There's nothing wrong with P.J. Horn. There's nothing wrong with Isaiah Wilkins or any of the freshmen. It's just the pieces don't fit together in a puzzle right now. Um, it's It's just not a complete fit as a team because of – Partly inexperienced, but you know you're asking PJ Horn to play 30 to 35 minutes a game as a six-five center. No, he needs to be playing 15 minutes a game as a backup power forward. Yeah. That's that that's his proper role. He can't play that proper role because of the rest of the personnel on the team. Yeah. Um, so it's just it's not a perfect fit. There's nothing wrong with the individual players. Just right now they don't all fit together. And but and that'll get those will get fixed. That'll get fixed time. in time as, as guys gain more experience and. Uh, and you bring in some more recruits and, and things like that. But, you know, if you said before the season, after 22 games, is Virginia Tech going to be 14-8 and eight or 8-14? Eight and 14? I would have said 8-14. and 14. Yeah, yeah. So we're still ahead of the curve. Yeah. Last question I'll ask both of you. Right now at this point in the season, 5-6 and six in ACC play, you mentioned the youth and you mentioned it seems like this team a little bit hitting a wall right now yeah. in terms of the way teams are scouting them and knowing what they do. What do you hope this team improves upon over the last month of the season? You, you're re whether it's an individual player or the team as a whole, what do you hope that this team really works well, on in the final uh, month? That gets back. I, I would say ball movement. I, I think yeah. that's you know, w whether that's breaking down the defense and dishing to the outside or better movement around the perimeter, it's, it's, which is difficult right yeah. now. Just like a, a guy, I was thinking about this this morning. A guy like Jalen Cohn, he's got to get his open looks. And you're not going to get him open looks by passing around the perimeter. You have to break down the defense and dish to him. Well, he's got to – you can, but it's got to be – he runs from one side of the court down the baseline to the other and you boom, set up a screen. Boom, which, yeah. the, which the Hornets used to do with Dell way back in the day. Dell would sprint from one side of the baseline to the other, come around to pick, and they'd hit him and he'd pop. Well, you know? and, the, and honestly, if you go, go back and watch the tape, that's how they're getting him open a lot right now. Yeah. When he is open. But, you know, the, the film gets out and – you have to make adjustments to it, but it's tough for a collective group of freshmen to, to make the adjustment. Every game they're seeing something they haven't seen before. Right. Like not only Florida State's height, but just the way Florida State plays defense. They switch everything. And Tech hasn't seen that yet. I don't know anything about Georgia Tech, but they're going to throw a certain style of play in there that these freshmen have not seen yet. Um, so I think they'll they'll play better like the second time they play Miami, the second time they yeah, play Boston College. Yeah, you start getting into repeat games now. I'm yeah. looking at the schedule, and, and after Georgia Tech, it's Boston College, Pitt will be for the first time, mm -hmm. Miami, Duke, UVA, you know. Right. So um, I, I would say ball movement, Chris, for me, that's part of what's affecting the offense is the inability to, to you know, I, I think they can shoot well again if, if they get more open shots than what they've been getting. Now, as far as – the record and what they do as a team. Um, I, I, you know, even with a 20 game ACC schedule, I was going into this season thinking four wins. They're already yeah. at five. Um, there's, there's a few more opportunities. Georgia there. Tech tomorrow on Tuesday. Yep. Yeah. You know, there's plenty of opportunities Great. to win games still in this league. Yeah. Uh, so I, I've never put a number on it from, from the beginning of the season. Yeah. Uh, it's just more about how they play. Um, right, right now it's, it's not that they lost to Florida state. It's the fact that, they lost two games before that. Yeah, they've uh, got two. They lost. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with the way they played against Florida State. I mean, even an experienced team could lose to Florida yeah, State we, by we, 11 points. Was that their best effort? Do you think the last three games they played oh, oh, the best against absolutely. Florida State? No question. Yeah. The yeah. second the second half of them against Miami was good. 
but that's more. But for they, a whole they were game. in desperation mode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, great, great conversation there about men's basketball. Again, they play Georgia Tech on Tuesday. That's the next upcoming game for the ACC. And I will say, if Tech doesn't make the tournament. We had the best audio possible in the wings of Chris Coleman a couple podcasts ago. What was it? Laying, uh, you'll be the first to lay the brick on the Mike Young statue. <laughs> I, I guess I'm not going to have to do that <laughs> as much as I would have liked. Yeah. Um, but there's plenty of time, Coach Young. This team, you know, it's, it's so I, many people on Twitter who know about Joe Bam, Bamasil and, and Darius Maddox and Luma. And now, if, if, if Mike Young ever gets a statue, I don't, I don't mean this. I think the Beamer statue is pretty cool. But at what point ever in his life did Frank Beamer coach a game with his foot on a bench? I know. Right? That's the most unrealistic statue. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we get Coach Young eating popcorn. Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah actually, I've actually thought about that. I think that would be hilarious. <laughs> well, back, like, well, I think we're putting about the cart next year, the horse a little bit. Uh, at concessions at Tech, you get, like, the Mike Young popcorn. Like, you name it something. Oh, you yeah. Get, you like, get, a Mike Young bucket. Like with put, his, his face is on the bag. Yeah. 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 But anyways. Uh, let's transition from talking about basketball to a busy weekend of Virginia Tech football recruiting, including a commitment. We'll begin our conversation talking about Dallin Wright. According to our TechSideline.com article, a two-star wide receiver. I, I I don't put a lot of thought in star rankings these two days. Two-star, trending up. Uh, you know, I, I look at the rankings, and the 300th-ranked player in the country is a three-star, and the f- guy who's ranked like 1,500th ranked, ranked right. is a three-star. Let and me I'm get like, some uh, – and, and, and so I think that's – honestly, I think it's a little bit disrespectful to fans – to have a thousand guys rated as three stars, because if you don't if you don't look at it deeply, if you just look at star rankings without looking at offer lists and things like that, you assume this guy and that guy, oh, they're both three stars, they're the same player. Well, no, this guy's ranked fifteen hundred with no Power Five offers, and this guy's ranked three hundred with he's twenty. Isaiah, he's Isaiah, he's Isaiah Ford, Ford with, 20. with with twenty five Power Five offers. So, so let me jump in here and say this: this is before your time, Chris. But uh, I used to write a lot of recruiting articles. Uh, early, early 2000s, we used to do a, a monthly thing called the TSL Extra. And I remember uh, the one we did after signing day in 2001. Um, and, you know, Rivals was just getting going back then. And Virginia Tech had, you know, uh, well, 2001, they had a five-star recruit, Kevin Jones. You know, they had some four-star guys, some three-star guys, some two-star guys, and a couple of one-star guys. It was a guy from Oklahoma. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew Fleck out of Oklahoma. Is there, is there such thing as one-star? Well, no, 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 no. And I was I was actually just about to go on this rant, but go ahead. So, so, yeah, let's, <laughs> okay. let's, you know, let's, we don't want to have to adjust, adjust the volume on Chris's mic because yes, he's getting wound up. But, yeah, I remember this. Andrew Fleck, I think, was a one-star recruit, and there, there was like an offensive lineman, I think Reggie. Oh, I Reggie Butler? It may have been, may have been Butler. He actually maybe, played and helped us. I did, so. I did not look at uh, this ahead of time before going on the air, but I remember there were a couple of one-star recruits. Because back then, the recruiting services, I'll just say it, had the balls to actually rank guys what they were. Right. And they don't do that anymore because no. they want the interviews. They they want to be they buddy, want everybody buddy on to Twitter. Feel, they want everybody to feel great and feel like, oh, you you see you see three star recruits the, these days doing interviews say when they announce their commitment they say i've decided that i'm going to spend the next 3 to 4 years at whatever school i'm like dude you're ranked 800th in the country you're not going pro early okay uh, I, I don't care i don't care what people are telling you unless you want to make a mistake right you realize the nfl draft isn't 1500 picks every single year right it's like 250 <laughs> 300 something like that so yeah that, that that's actually something that that bothers me it's like 
Yeah, the fifteen hundredth recruit and the three hundred recruit, both being three stars. Yes, yeah, it's the same thing with four stars, like the thirty fifth rank recruit and the two hundred ninety ninth rank recruit, both four stars, right? But in reality, one of them's David Wilson on the on the verge of being a five star. David yeah. Wilson, Ryan Wilson, were or Ryan Williams were both on the verge of being five star recruits, and you've got and you've got others that are lower ranked, but like, okay, so J C Coleman. Ryan Williams and David Wilson were all four-star recruits. Jesse Coleman was a four-star? Absolutely. Really? Mm. He was actually fairly highly ranked by one of those services, mm. like 105th in the country. I remember his high school wow. film being good, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, yeah I've, I'm actually still to this day, just based on his high school film, surprised he wasn't better. Hmm. but uh, More productive. Right, more productive. Right, right. Um, yeah, so uh, it's I, I don't buy into that. I, I don't buy into uh, saying, oh, if, you're, if, you, if you happen to be – Signed with a Power Five school, you're an automatic three-star recruit. I just think that's ridiculous. Uh, to me, if your only other offers are Appalachian State and Coastal Carolina, you're fortunate I gave you a second star. And that this is not. And I'm not saying I don't think Dylan Wright's a good prospect. He is. 87 catches, 1500 yards. But as, as a as a right right as a, right. But but if everybody gets three stars, sure. okay, th- then that th- that still makes you bottom of the level. A recruit, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter whether it says one star or. or Let me get some back. I want to get some background on Down, just because you're right. He, he, he's a. Unique. I think he's. I think he's fine as a prospect. I think if he'd gone to camps, I think uh, if he had focused on football before his senior year. So, so fill in some of the blanks here because I'm I'm not up to speed on. Okay, who you are. So he missed season. he missed half his junior season due to a suspension. That'll knock you down. That'll knock you down. Uh, he didn't go to camps. Because he was focused on basketball. Right. And basketball has AAU all over the summer. Right. Um, so, yeah. And then he blew up as a senior, called 87 passes. 87 passes, 1,508 yards, right. 25 touchdowns. 25 touchdowns. So, so let's say Dallin Wright comes, come, goes on to become a very productive player for Virginia Tech. Right. This is exactly the kind of guy, at the time being, that, that Fuente and his staff need to be digging up as guys mm-hmm. like that. Oh, I was hurt. I played basketball. Didn't go to any camps. Boom! Look at me, my senior year, and he plays for Tech and is productive. Right. That that's the kind of the kind of guy where I I think they're they're. Uh, let me figure out how to phrase this. Where where Virginia Tech's current coaching staff is gonna is gonna. I don't want to use a phrase turn this thing around because it's not like it's a disaster. But to really elevate the program, you're going to need to find more guys like that that are under the radar that wind up being productive. And the thing is, there are fewer of those guys these days. Right. There, are so there used to be a whole bunch, and now there's hardly any. Uh, so that Panay, I think, is another good one. Yeah, Wilfred Panay, yeah, the tight end. I, I think signed. I think he's a good prospect from but, France. But so when I rate him as a two-star player, and I say that in the old days he would be a, been a one-star recruit, I don't mean that as any disrespect because if he had played and focused on football earlier in his career, that wouldn't be yeah. the case. What I'm saying is that what we're saying is we're going into our old rant that you just can't get a, give everybody three. Not everybody gets a trophy for for participation. You, have you ever seen the movie? Uh, uh, meet the parents. Where was that Ben Stiller? Sure. Or, or maybe it was the second one. I, I don't know, but it was Robert De Niro. Uh, like Ben Stiller's parents still had his little shrine from when he was a kid or whatever. And Robert <laughs> yeah. De Niro sees it and says, "Oh, I didn't know they gave ninth place medals." <laughs> and so yeah, it's like okay, everybody, you get a, you get three stars and you get three stars. And, so so know. my son Ronan, who's a freshman at South Carolina, he's, he's he's one of those kids that everything in his room accumulated. So I'm going into his room and I'm graduate cleaning it out it's taken a long time 
And yes, yeah, so the participation trophies went in a box and went in the attic. Mm-hmm. And the trophies where he actually won something, they stay on the shelf. Right. That's how we roll at my house. I right? like that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you ain't first, you're last. For <laughs> so uh, I think, uh, honestly, I should be more, I shouldn't be as forgiving as I am for most of our rankings. But these days, that kind of makes you the bad guy. Yeah. Right? Everybody gives you some. So I, I, I'll never forget, and I won't say which recruit it was, but one time, uh, Rivals bumped a guy from three stars to four stars, and a recruit hit me up and said, Hey, Rivals just bumped me up to four stars so you can do the same. I uh I left him at three stars and he never played a down for Virginia Tech. By wah, the way. Wah, wah. Yeah. Anyway, we can continue. Uh, real quick, so down right, six foot one hundred seventy pounder. He's from uh, the Saluda High School in Saluda, I, South I think, Carolina. I think that's how you pronounce it. I think so too. I, uh, and he's the class of twenty twenty, so that means he will be coming in this fall, this summer. Yep. yep. Okay, so that is down right. Uh, it was also. Uh, a busy recruiting weekend here at Virginia Tech. I know there were a couple of officials and unofficials this weekend, Chris. Yeah, um, Wright was the official visitor, obviously, the main official visitor, and he committed. I was kind of expecting that going in. Uh, Virginia Tech needed to add another receiver to this class. I, I think he's a good player. I was watching a little bit of his film. I mean, 87 catches, 1,500 yards. My gosh, I don't think – I think when I played in high school, I don't know if we threw it 87 times all year. How many games is that? that that's like eight that, that catches was, a game. It's like 11 games, yeah. I think. Is, 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 Ten games is a high played. school regular he's season. He's catching too. a pass per quarter. He's catching – yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess that's you're, – you're, you're more math than I am. No, wait a minute. Two passes per quarter. Two passes per quarter, yeah. Not bad. Even better. Yeah, yeah. even better. Um, so – That's a pass every six minutes, and, man. And, you know, he doesn't – I wouldn't say he has elite speed, um, but he's fast enough. Um Good enough frame. He needs to red shirt. <laughs> As um, Chris points to his red yeah, shirt for those yeah, listening. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, I think that that won't help the recruiting rankings any. Right. But. Who's the guy they need? Yeah. So, let's talk about Landon Watson. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Evan, you, you pretty much get to take the floor I, here. It's so, e- by the way, it's Evan versus James Franklin in this recruitment all right so yeah, so give it your we'll, best shot at we'll it. get we'll get to why so <laughs> so landon watson is a four-star defensive end right out, yes, of, out, out of texas, texas. h-u-t-t-o huto huto yeah, it's, out, it's out it's outside austin so you know the guys you've been hearing a lot about texas to virginia tech they're they're mainly houston area guys demetrius davis and alec bryant and robert wooten they're 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 around houston um i'm Watson is from around Austin. And Texas. how far is Houston from Austin? You know, I don't know that. Oh, uh, no but so he's he's from he's from a little different it's, area. It's Texas. It could be an hour. It could be eight hours. It's such a massive state. But so, I think it's probably like two or three. And he is a 2021 guy. Correct. By the way. Yeah. So so he comes into town and uh, um, gosh. So how do, how do we attack this? You you encountered him. So he was looking was he specifically looking at sports media and analytics or just uh well he has an interest to be uh, a sports broadcaster mm-hmm. so um they reached out and, uh, to bill roth and bill asked me to come along and it was it was great it was it was really cool actually he could not have been any nicer of an individual i mean landon watson i mean first class his entire family i mean mm-hmm. just really great people um, and we we toured him around the uh, the new Moss Art Center studio, uh, brand new studio put in over the summer. Hundred twenty five thousand dollars studio. Oh, I think more expensive than that. No, I was told it was hundred twenty five grand. Really? Yep. Well, okay. well, like any studio, it's it's a table, 
I thought they put million into it. And a bunch of wood and lighting. I mean, 125 grand, that, that sounds about right. Okay. But we can double check. You count all the TVs and yeah. stuff like that. But it, TVs it, it, aren't it, that expensive. Yeah, that's um, true. Not these days. It was it was it was great. His family, I mean, seriously, could not have been any. We probably spent, I don't know, forty five minutes over there. I did a, I did a mock show with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gave a Super Bowl prediction of twenty one to fourteen Chiefs. Um, so what thirty one twenty? You know, yeah. It was actually a little bit more low scoring than he he was spot on. So I I mean seriously though, he just uh, was just really personable and just. You know, I, I personally wish wherever he goes the best for him because he was just a really, really nice guy. And I hope, I think it would be great for our sports media analytics program to get a guy like him just because he was he was very passionate about it. You could see his parents were really engaged, and they, you know, you could tell he took pride in what his potential major could be if he came here. So, yeah, and, 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 and I, Alec Bryant, I think, who's, of course, already signed, is, is hit him up on Twitter and said, oh, same major. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I ran into Evan – walking into Castle Coliseum on Saturday before the Florida State game. And Evan told me all this face-to-face. So, so Evan's not just saying this for the podcast. And right. he, no, he told I, me this in private but before the game. said his, his mom gave you a hug after she after did. left. She did. Yeah, I mean, I, and if you look at her tweet from after the visit. Oh, or, I got it right or, here. Or you ready? Yeah, please. So uh, Felicia Watson, she is a nurse. Her, her Twitter handle is uh, Nursing for Living. Today we had an awesome visit at Virginia Tech. Again, this is Landon Watson's mother. Today we had an awesome, in all caps, visit at Virginia Tech. We went today not knowing a lot about the program. We left our visit today feeling amazed, in all caps. My husband was ready to run to the equipment room, put on pads, and run through a brick wall. The coaching staff is the truth. Thank you. And then there's pictures of the family with the coaching staff, uh, Bill Roth with uh, Landon Watson, Evan behind the desk with Landon, (laughs) And then it looks like probably Landon's little brother with the yeah, Hokie his bird. little brother, yep. Yeah. So it was his little brother. It was his mom, his dad, and Landon. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I could I mean, really he, – he blew me away. His whole family. I mean, just so, so friendly. I mean, I just can't speak highly enough about um, how, how great they were. And he was personal on camera. I mean, he, he was great Pretty on good, camera. Huh? I mean, yeah. so not only was this, you know, us getting to know him and you know, obviously for football, but – you know, talking with Bill, it'd be great to get him in our program of sports media analytics. And so you if, know, he ends up, if he ends up like coming on his official visit over the summer and it's during the week, you're going to have to come back. Wow, you'll be in Minnesota. Yeah, I can't yeah. come back. We, we'd have to give him on the TSL Well, I podcast. did see Will just offered up, hey, he could be a Tech Sideline podcast host. So, I mean, hey, I yeah. might – you never know. <laughs> can, can you imagine how nervous that would make the Virginia Tech coaching staff if we were to invite oh Landon Watson God. in here to host a podcast while he was on his visit? But I really do wish. I mean, he was. I mean, showed him, showed him around. He was great on camera. I mean, I think he had a. I, I one that one thing I will say too. I think that the the coaching staff, from what I was just kind of able to gather, just a great job of. It seems like the the visits that they have, they just they. You check everything off the box, and they get to see everything I, about tech. And I, so I think it's easier. Hats off to them. I thought that they did a fantastic job. I think there, there are certain times when big recruiting weekends are important, and, and they highlight the fact that maybe a number of prospects are interested in the school, but sometimes small recruiting weekends can be better. Yeah. Because if you have a small staff, relatively speaking, like yeah. Virginia Tech, I mean, Fuente said it. We don't have the staff or the facilities to accommodate a large number of visitors, right? He said that. I found that direct quote. And when you just have a few guys, 
you can dedicate all your resources to those few guys. You know, a guy like Justin Fuente, if you've got 40 or 50 guys on a visit, you want to try to carve out time for all of them. That's tough, man. That, Plus, that, he's just Fuente himself. The the smaller the interaction gets, the better he gets. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know? I think so. so. Um, and and you know, being a Midwestern guy, I, I think he really vibes with these Midwestern kids, maybe more than some East Coast kids. Yeah. Um, so so I hit I hit Jason Stame up last night, and I asked him to to interview Landon Watson for for the site. And Jason said, uh, he, so we haven't done or run the article yet. He said, I just got Landon. So what time? This was three o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday. And Stame said, I just got Landon on the phone. They're driving up to BWI right now to fly out. BWI. Yeah. Uh, I would suggest. Where's BWI? Uh, Baltimore, Washington. It's, oh, okay. it's halfway between Baltimore and Washington. That is a long that's a, drive that's a from here. Yeah. So if, when the Watson family visits again, I would suggest Charlotte or Roanoke. <laughs> and you can get a flight from Austin. It will fly to Charlotte and then. There's a layover in Charlotte and then from Charlotte to Roanoke. And the one I found yesterday was for like 275 bucks or something yeah, like so, that. Yeah, so, so me, I would, I would be would tempted recommend. to fly into Charlotte and just rent a car and drive up. You, yeah. you, you'll probably get there in about the same amount of time as if you laid over and went to Roanoke. Um, but, and, and Charlotte's not a bad drive. It's, I do it all the time, like 150, 160 mm-hmm. miles. Well, I really look forward to uh, reading that article. That's great. I think yeah, that it'll be a great, to great to read to get to know his personality and just how – Great of a person he is. So, anyway, it was really, really cool to meet him and, and wishing Landon and his family nothing but the best. And so. Landon is a top 200 level recruit, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Yep. 2021 defensive end. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So, uh, any other recruits? Anything else we're missing from this weekend before uh, we move on? Uh, Naquan Brown was also in Naquan town. Naquan Brown, four star defensive end from the state of Virginia, was in town, spent a lot of time. And I think he and together. Watson posed together they, for they pictures, did. right? They, yeah. They sure so, did. if you look at Naquan Brown and, and Landon yeah. Watson's. Twitter, you'll see pictures of the two of them. And, 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 and Brown is one of those guys who would help the perception a lot in state. The thing is, like, all right, Tech wants to get bigger at defensive end, right? Well, he gets you smaller at defensive end. He gets you smaller at defensive end, which is the opposite direction you want to go, but he gets you better in-state recruiting, right? Yeah. So, I don't know what I think, but then again, I don't know exactly what Virginia Tech's defensive do, do, scheme is. Do you know be. right off the top of your head what uh, Brown's size is? I, I don't recall. He's listed at like six three two oh five on the recruiting websites, but if you see a, a picture of him next to Demetrius Davis, he's like six one. And yeah. I, I know at one of these camps he measured in at like six one one ninety six or something. Right. Like that. So at one of these camps he measures in at six one, yet his recruiting profile so still six, says he's six three six three. And Taiwan Garbutt's recruiting profile said he was 6'3", and now he's listed he's at 6'1", right? Yeah. Some of them, though, like uh, Alec Bryant, whose recruiting profile says he's 6'3", you look at a picture of him next to Justin Hamilton and Justin Fuente, and he's a legit 6'3". Yeah. So you'd never know exactly what to believe when, when you read a guy's recruiting profile. Now, that said, Brown is, is a very good athlete, good yeah. football player. I just – not knowing what Virginia Tech's defensive scheme is going to look like, I really can't comment. Or what their plans for him are. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, that was another big recruit that was in town. Absolutely. Again, but the headline of the weekend, Dallin Wright committing to Virginia Tech. We have an article up on techsideline.com. Hope you go and check it out. Also, uh, uh, Obi, the wide receiver, was yeah, in Obi, town. Obi, Obi Allo. Obi, the Marshall grad transfer. But it sounds like he picked up an, o- an Oklahoma Correct. offer. Correct, he's headed to Oklahoma. And he, yeah, no, that's a shame. He's... Well, I'm glad for him because I think he's originally from the Midwest. Correct. I think he began his career at Oklahoma State. 
Yeah, like so, I said, a friend of mine uh, tutored him at Marshall and right. said he's a great kid. Right, he's really a top-notch kid. But, man, that, that's a guy who I really thought we needed. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's do this. Let's take our time out here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. When we come back, we've got some interesting uh, notes to discuss. And, and we'll also uh, – the notes about – well, help me describe this here. This is – doesn't exactly relate to the transfer portal, but it's an interesting... It does relate to the transfer portal. It's a list of players who were on rosters in the late 90s and early 2000s and were less than seniors, so they were eligible to come back the next year, but didn't. So um, I'll, I'll get in. So if we're going to take a time out here, can yeah. you hand me my sheet? It's we'll, do it. we'll get Chris's sheet, and we'll discuss about the sheet when we come back on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Tech Sideline Podcast, proudly presented by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go. Welcome back into the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. We're so glad you could join us today. Episode 114, recording on February 3rd. Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, Evan Hughes, Malcolm Stewart with you. We transition now to a really interesting topic. Really great work here from Will as well as uh, Daryl H. Chapman about uh, looking at, because we've been talking a lot about the transfer portal last couple episodes. So uh, Daryl went through and found... The rosters from 99, 2000, 2001, 2002. Yeah, so, we- let me, so let me jump in here so because I left the, the beginning part of the email off. So uh, when I did the article last week, was it last week where I did the transfer portal numbers? Yes. Yeah, that showed that Tech had the second most players entering the transfer portal the last two years. Uh, that was not intended to be an article that drew any conclusions. I just threw some data out there. So it started all just this discussion about – well, you really need to take a deeper dive, and Virginia Tech doesn't have many people leaving for the pros or seniors leaving, so that makes younger players more likely to transfer. How does this compare to the past, et cetera? So um, Daryl, who's been on the site since, uh, man, the very beginning, I remember he was on our message boards way back. So he sat down with, and this is important to the accuracy of the data, he sat down with media guides slash football books from late 90s, early 2000s, and just, just for kicks, went through the 99 roster, picked out everybody who was not a senior, and checked to see if they were listed in the book for the next year, and just made me a list of guys who weren't. Mm-hmm. Non-seniors who didn't make the jump from 99 to 2000. Non-seniors who didn't make the jump from 2000, 2001, and from 01 to 02. And again, this data is not from online rosters, which were uh, more accurate, but from the football media guides, which are produced early and often have players in them that didn't wind up being on the team and often do not have players in them that did wind up being on the team. Mm -hmm. So that's important to preface this. But it still gives you some idea of the magnitude. So that said, so here's a list of guys. And. We actually have to be careful that this segment of the podcast doesn't bog down too much because Chris and I remember a lot of these stories. I was going to tell a Reggie Samuel story. Yeah, so um, so let's give you an example. 
there were 14 guys, you know, again, looking through the media guides that Daryl did, there were 14 guys that did not make the jump from 99 to 2000. Franklin Bowser, I remember the name, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Vincent Carey, doesn't ring a bell. Ike Charlton, who why did, for the draft. he declared for the draft after his junior year. Michael Davis, don't know who that is. Jim Ferrugio, I recognize the name. I think he was just one of those Played guys. Played special that, teams. Yeah. yeah. And Jermaine Hinkson. Offensive uh, lineman, I think, who didn't yeah, play. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Robbie Lewis, Greg Myers, Derek Pinella. Lou Pinella's son. I can't believe that. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. I remember uh, back in the day seeing uh, Pinella getting interviewed, like on SportsCenter or something, in his office, and you could see Frank Beamer's book on the bookshelf behind oh, Lou Pinella's head. Yeah. So I think Derek was on the team a couple of years. Yeah, he was. Uh, Played uh, some special teams. Yeah. He was probably like a tight end fullback type, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. but just never really cracked the lineup. Jason Rayner and uh, Reggie Samuel. And Reggie, Reg, or Chris remembers the Reggie Samuel story. <laughs> No, I was going to give my Reggie Samuel story. Oh, okay. You have a Reggie <laughs> yeah, Samuel story. No, no, no. It does not really. Well, yes, it's about him, but it's nothing he did. Or You know how you're 16 and you think certain things, however foolishly? Mm-hmm. For some reason, I'd built up in my head that Reggie Samuel was going to be awesome for Virginia Tech. I don't know. No, absolutely nothing made you me You probably think that. read it on Hokie Central. Probably mm-hmm. something like that. But uh, remember, he tore his ACL. And, yeah. Uh, that pretty much ended his career. Like senior but in I, high but I, I remember being – like slightly devastated when he got hurt because I had convinced myself that Reggie Samuel was going to be awesome. Oh, that's me and Jeremy <laughs> Kishbaugh. Now, I wasn't 16, but when Jeremy Ki- Jeremy Kishbaugh committed to the Hokies, uh, gosh, that was uh, – that was – come on, Will, get your, get your time frame straight. That was like 1995 or 96, and I read a little blurb in the Roanoke Times where Kishbaugh was from Berwick, PA. I still remember that. And his coach said – he was a linebacker fullback type. And his coach said, he's an animal. And I was like, oh, man, this guy's going to be great. <laughs> and I'm not sure he ever even made it to Virginia Tech. And, and so I, I, was, I, had to be, I have to be careful about picking out my favorite recruits from classes. He's, <laughs> he's my favorite recruit from that class. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I remember Reggie, he, he got hurt his senior year in high school and may have even been in an all-star game, something mm-hmm. like that. And he just never really Well, he recovered. tore his ACL when he got to Tech. Did he? Yeah. Wow. yeah. I think this year. Yeah. Next name on the list is a guy named Chiron Stith. We all remember that one. Yeah, declared pro. early. Yep. Yeah, so he he, man, he could have been he could have been good in two thousand. Uh, well, Tra- Travis, would he have been as good as Lee Suggs? Well, yeah, he could have. Yeah, did, Lee Suggs Ken- was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Travis Turner, quarterback out of mm-hmm. like so South, sa- Southwest was, Virginia. He was Southwest Virginia. I Apple- think he's coaching in Southwest Virginia now somewhere. The the word Appalachia comes. Cap- I think that's right. Was that the name of his high school? I think so. Yeah. Okay. That sounds right. And then Marvin Whitby, whom I've never heard of. That doesn't ring a bell. So that's 14 guys who didn't make the jump. Marvin Whitby's probably watching the podcast and we just laughed at him. Now, I will tell you. I don't mean to laugh at Marvin. I will tell you, though, a lot of names we just reeled off. Uh-huh. Um, I've been doing this since 1996, and some of those guys, they were not scholarship players. Oh, yeah, they were absolutely walk-ons. Marvin Whitby was a walk-on. Uh Greg Myers, I'm pretty sure, was a walk-on. Robbie Lewis. Yeah. Jason Michael Rainer. Davis. Vincent Carey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's fair because the transfer portal listing on 24-7 is 247 Sports is also – it includes walk-ons. Right. Yeah. Sure. So, it's, it's, it's actually apples and apples. Yep. So, here's some names for the – Ron now, That was 14 guys. So, here's some names on the 2000 roster that didn't make the jump to 2001. There are 11 guys. Ron Cook. What do you remember about Ron Cook? <laughs> he was a defensive end. 
with a lot of hype. I don't remember he, like he got a sack in that game against Syracuse where Tech blew him out, right? Do you remember what number he was? Was he number fifty-one? I do not remember what I remember. I think he was fifty-one, and 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 the story escapes me the specifics. But Ron Cook, I believe, shot his mouth off to the press in a bad uh, way. Oh, oh, he should have been playing more. He was behind Corey Moore and John Engelberger. He's basically behind one of the best defensive lines ever and then shot his mouth off. And See, I don't think he ended up actually playing in 2000. I know he was like third string in 99, right. but I think he shot his mouth off early in 2000, maybe even in camp. Well, got, I remember what he was from New Jersey, mm-hmm. and Tech was going to play Rutgers and the New Jersey press. Right. That's where it came from. Of course, the New Jersey press and probably you, baited him into saying yeah, the wrong you, you thing. You wonder why coaches don't let players talk to the media too well, much these days. <laughs> Mike, Mike Barber's from New Jersey, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. you know, those New Jersey guys. <laughs> um, Mike okay. Donahue's the next I, name. Oh, I, saw, I saw Smithfield Hokie on the, on the big screen in Castle on Saturday, and I'm pretty sure he was wearing a 51 jersey. It actually made me think of Ron Cook. A Ron Cook so, jersey. So, Smith Old Hokie, if you're listening, t- tell us the story behind your 51 jersey. A Ron Cook jersey. Uh, Mike Donahue never, never uh, doesn't ring a bell. Andre Harrison. Andre Harrison. Virginia Tech's first what you could consider five-star recruit. Yeah. He, remember, he was Michael Vick's top receiver in high school. Yes. And he was – Brendan Hill was Marcus's – one or right, right. Top receiver. Right. So, like, they were like, like, Vic Mar- Michael was class of 97, and I want to say 98? Harrison was 98 or 99. And uh, Michael was class of 98. Rich recruit, yeah. signed in 98, you're Richard right. in 98. You're right. You're right. So, Harrison, so think- Harrison was 99. He was <clears> the next <throat> year. Um, and he came in and lasted uh, his red shirt here and was out. And this guy was a guy who was like number two in the state or something. He was like way that. up there. Yeah. 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 Now was he a guy who uh, did he did he like play special teams and block punts or something like no. that? Am I getting confused? You're getting him confused with Angelo Harrison. There you go. That's in the mid to late nineties. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, Andre Harrison redshirted and then left before his redshirt freshman season even started. He might have even been off the team like spring of his true freshman year. Yeah, I'm gonna um, look him up and see. But yeah, he was, he was like, that's like the most highest touted bust. In Virginia Tech history, early I mean, on, uh, considering how high he was ranked and how long he stayed in the program, um, I, I, I guess it's a competition between him. Okay, and he, he was ranked. He was ranked fourth in the state. Fourth in the state, and yeah, we're from Warwick High School. So he, uh, between him and Holland Fisher, I guess for for most hyped recruit who turned out to do absolutely nothing. Some guy named Julius Jones was number two in the state. Yeah, that year. I imagine that. Yeah. Uh, how about uh, Charles Hatter? Walk on. Ricky Hudson. Yeah, I don't remember him. Okay, I, I know I recognize that name. If if I'm, I believe if I remember correctly, there was a Hudson Automotive Group in Pulaski. Oh yeah, there yeah, was a, there was a, right. a a large chain of dealerships, and I believe Ricky was Mr. Hudson's son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because I remember being in Hudson Automotive Group one day and and seeing a big picture on the wall that was kind of a. A, a down shot of like a huddle or a group of Virginia Tech players, and you could see the word Hudson clearly on the back of a jersey. So that's probably who that is. I love this last name. Please tell me there's a story about so, Seth Noonkester. Yeah, when I worked for VTTV, he also came in and worked for VTTV huh. doing the sports show. And Look everything. at that. Was, was he from like Roanoke, Salem area? Is that ring a bell? I don't know. Joe Simmington. Joe Simmington, who I played against in high school. Was Mar- he a Fork Union guy? I don't know about Fork Union. I know he went to Martinsville. Yeah. Back when Martinsville actually big rangey. Did you get the best of him, Chris? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't <laughs> think I actually 
I don't think we ever encountered, encountered each, each other. other. How about Josh for Tesser? Is it Tessar? Tesser. Uh, wide receiver. Walk-on receiver. Anthony Thibodeau? Walk-on receiver. Some people pronounce it Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Yeah, yeah. Anybody know Michael Vick? Yeah, I heard mm, of that guy. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason he didn't come so, back for the we're, 2000. We're not, we're not going over the numbers. All right, there, there were 14, 14 who didn't come back from 99 to 2000, and then 11 who didn't come back from 2000 to 2001. So that's 25 guys in two over years. Over the course of two years, you which know, is and fairly comparable numbers to... And, and these guys didn't come back. Some of the guys that went in the transfer portal for Tech the last couple of years... Have come back. Have come back. Because those numbers include Hendon Hooker, uh, Deshaun McLeese. Deshaun McLeese, right. yeah. And, yeah. and then there were 15 players who were on the 2001 squad, did not come back for 2002. Who were listed in the 2001 football Sorry. book on, yes. as being on the roster. Right. And were not listed in the 2002 football book as being on the roster. Mm-hmm. Ryan Angelo. Uh, I believe he was fullback. a fullback. Yeah. yeah. Keith Burnell. Keith, uh, Keith Burnell. People talk about uh, players not liking coaches and feeling like they're wrong. Keith Burnell is the one I remember from back then, similar to Ron Cook. Uh, I remember reading an article about this in one of the 757 newspapers maybe five to ten years ago about how Burnell was did not leave on good terms with the tech staff because he was behind Lee Suggs and Kevin Jones. And Kevin and Jones. Somehow felt like he was wronged when it came to play in time. So he was, a, he was in the 1998 recruiting class. With and he Lee was, Suggs. He was ranked number 11 in the mm-hmm. country. Or excuse the me, in the state yeah. uh, by the Roanoke Times. So – um, you know, Burnell had good speed, but he just uh, it just didn't translate to the football. Well, field. he was well, he was one of those fake forty time guys that Tech used to make up. Right, right. <laughs> I, I remember he ran like a four two flat, but then you he got on the field against Rutgers and they chased him down from behind. Back when right. Rutgers was bad. Rutgers was right. that. So yeah, my the thing I remember one of it's not he held point. the Virginia Tech forty time record at one point four two really? flat. Well, before before Michael, before Michael D- Vick and no Vick he was no he was ahead of Vick. Yeah, Vic was a four-two-five, and it was uh, D'Angelo broke. D'Angelo broke. D'Angelo broke it with a four-one-five, and D'Angelo was legitimately fast. Yeah, but uh, so the the Keith. Every time I hear the Keith Burnell story, I remember there was a there was a scrimmage. I think, or I don't think it was a spring game. I think it was a scrimmage where Burnell got open, like from forty yards out down the sideline, got caught at like the one or two yard line, got tackled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, Kevin Jones's dad was um, was in town. And I remember going up to say hi to him because I'd, I'd talked to him at length for an interview. So I always said hi to him when I saw him. And, and Kevin Jones' dad said, yeah, you know that run right there? And I said, and he's talking about Brunel's run. And I said, yeah. And he said, KJ would have scored. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's right, you know, but it just it's one of those things that sticks in your mind. Yeah. How about Jason Davis? Oh, he was a quarterback. He was actually, Tennessee. He was the backup quarterback in – well, you know, he would have been the backup quarterback in 2001, but – Brian Randall turned out to be. Um, so yeah. so he was thirsting. Jason Davis was the guy who went to the Tim Couch quarterback camp and threw the ball like 76 Had yards real, in the air. Yeah, yeah. He threw it 76 yards in the air at the Tim Couch quarterback camp, and everybody was like, oh, my gosh, we got this quarterback from Tennessee with a cannon. Well, he couldn't even beat out a true freshman, Brian Randall, for the backup spot in 2001. I think so. I think he had maturity issues, the way, the way it was oh, phrased. Okay. I mean, he just wasn't ready to really commit to, right, to what college. it took. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to guess Matt Finley played in the secondary. I don't I, I have no yeah. idea. I think he was a backup, like a walk-on offensive lineman. I, I had think. no idea. I'm just yeah. totally taking a guess there. Venus Franklin, offensive lineman, mm-hmm. uh, Billy Hardy. No, see, Billy Hardy actually 
I don't know why he wasn't listed in the 2002 media guy, but Billy Hardy played did play for Tech in 2002. I, I, I remember him being like a like a late addition, like they didn't know if he was going to play. Well, the, you know, well, he had played the year before, the two years before that. But but I I, I don't remember the details. Okay. Sorry, you okay. know, it's been almost 20 years. Mike Jackson. <laughs> Mike Jackson was a tight end. He was a scholarship tight end. I think he had a knee injury. Yeah. Um, T.J. Jackson. No, T.J. Jackson the first. I was, is that his yeah. dad? No. Okay. <laughs> T.J. Jackson was a, was a whip. He was a whip linebacker. He was like 190 pounds. He got so, in trouble, right? I don't know that he got in trouble. Remember he started that Florida State Gator Bowl and like made a bunch of plays but also didn't. He just never grasped the right, position. Right. It's, it's a yeah. tough position. It, yeah. yeah, it was. Ronald, Ronald Moody. Moody. Don't know who that he, is. Well, he was a walk-on. He, caught, he had three career catches. And at least one of them came in that drive against Pitt in 2000. I remember with Dave that. Meyer. Yeah. yeah, Dave Meyer and Ronald Moody. Yeah. He only played that one year. He was a redshirt freshman and was off the team. And he, he was a walk-on yeah. originally. Yeah. yeah. Dion Provit or Provit? Provit. Provit. He, he would have been a good player. Um, started for Tech at Whip in 2000, right? Uh, rings uh, a bell. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he was a guy who he left the team and he was from Ohio and – the rumor at the time was like that there was a pregnancy and he dropped right. out of school for it. Yeah. Uh, Tim Selman, uh, probably defensive backup, line. Backup offensive line. Offensive line. Jeff Thompson, probably a walk on. Marvin Urquhart. Now, I remember Marvin Urquhart. I remember going to see a uh, – he was from the 757, I believe, or the eastern part of the state. Oh, he, uh, Lou Johnston was his head coach. Western Branch? Yeah, Western yeah, Branch. Yeah, so, so he was – I think he was a fullback type. Mm-hmm. And, there, and the recruiting function that I went to, Jim Cavanaugh talked about him and showed film on him. And and, and Urquhart was – he was a beast. He was definitely a fullback type. When I, uh, when I had lunch with Lou Johnston a few years ago, when I was out in the 757, and he straight he told me he said, "Man, your car was a, was a beast." Yeah, in high school. Yeah. I, I don't know why it, it didn't work out. Well, he got uh, big, remember? He got he, huge. he got like 280 pounds as a fullback. I think he ate like himself that. out of his yeah. position uh, or something much, like that. Yeah. But yeah, he he could have been somebody. I think I still think to this day. Jeff Warner. Oh no, and Joe Wilson don't know. Joe Joe Wilson was a was a running back. Actually, I think Joe Joe Wilson came here maybe as like a defensive end or fullback maybe or something like that i remember one spring we ran out of running backs and they put joe wilson at running back and i think like one of those spring scrimmages he had like 25 or 30 carries because he was like literally the only running back left on the team wow so again if we're talking about the guy people who left this team so we had 14 on 99 not on 2000 11 on 2000 not on 01 and then 15 on 01 and not 02 just out of curiosity how many players do you think i recognized off this list oh uh well you recognize michael vick you recognized. I was. Th- you you recognized one player. I recognized two. Okay. Maybe two. Was Ike Charlton? Ike Charlton. Yeah. Ike Charlton. I, I don't okay. even remember. I just know the name. Okay. Ike Charlton and Michael Vick. I have no idea who these. And so it's funny hearing you guys. Yeah. That's really sharp memory. That's amazing. 20 years later, you guys can just oh, spit I, I this re- out. I remember Charlton declared and uh, um, then sat and sat and sat through the draft and and i don't remember the details second round i think we ran okay well we ran an article written by someone who sat through the draft with charlton Mm -hmm. 
and it dragged out. I think the draft back then it was like fifteen, 15 minutes, minutes between for, picks for, 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 for first round picks. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So even if you were picked in the second That's round, ridiculous. like mid late second round, that was a long day. I think seven yeah. minutes right now, what it is, is still too long. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, oh, come on, all the research and work they've done, they yeah. they know who they're going to. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, yeah, just do it, man. Real quick, did you see for the draft this year in Vegas, they're going to put a player on a boat and bring them across the all uh, the water to the uh, the commissioner stage. <laughs> Is the boat going to be sponsored? Not sure. Of course it is. Yeah. It's going to have a flag on top. All of right. It. So real quick, we're at ten fifty. We're about an hour five minutes in because we started recording at uh, nine forty five, right, Malcolm? So okay. uh, do we need? Do we want? Do we want to talk about the Vic documentary? Or do we want to go right to questions? I haven't well, watched the. Vic I tell you what, let's give Chris time to watch it and okay. let let's let both uh, halves I, of it. Hmm. Okay. So honestly, I have no. My main discussion for the Vic documentary, not the documentary itself, is kind of the national perception of the 1999 Virginia Tech football team that was put on display a little bit by Bomani Jones of ESPN, who's featured in the film and was tweeting with some Virginia Tech fans while the documentary was going on. That's no, the main Well, the, pers the perspective was nobody heard of Virginia Tech, who was Virginia Tech, all that. I mean, that's fair. Um, it's probably what the the national football. What did you feel about Baylor when when Robert Griffin won the Heisman Trophy? Who who was that? Right. Baylor was a bad football team. Right. Well, right. Tech Tech had made ninety three, ninety four, ninety five. Tech had made five bowls in a row heading into into ninety eight. They had won one BCS won bowl, bowl, which was a bowl alliance, and played in an Orange Bowl. Right. Um, Here's my main question. I want to ask you guys this. So again, Bomani Jones of ESPN featured. This is one man's opinion, but someone who literally does not remember the 1999 team. I want to get you all's perspective on this. So uh, there was a fan, somebody named Avery, who tweeted at him, Vic was a one-in-a-million talent-wise, but don't disrespect guys like Stith, Andre Davis, Englenberger, Moore, Bird, Charlton, Hawks, Ben Taylor, Midget, and many more. That 99 team was special, period. Bomani quotes this, Michael Vick was the team, and you know this, and no. most people reading this don't know who those guys are that you just listed. Uh, well, that well that's true. That's absolutely <laughs> accurate. Uh, of, of, of everybody else on that list, I'm trying to think of who had long, substantial NFL careers. Engelberger did, Andre Davis did, but he was always hurt and was mostly a kickoff return guy. Um Nick Sorensen had a long career as a special teams player. Shane Graham had a long career as a kicker. Um, ben Taylor played a few years in the NFL. Few, I wouldn't say he had a long yeah, career. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, for the most part, yeah. I mean, not you would not recognize anybody else on that career from the, uh, on that team from their NFL career except I, for Michael I think Vick. the person that really disrespects is Corey Moore. Yeah, Corey so he, he talks about this. So someone tweets, I pride, random person, I pride myself on knowing obscure college football history. I don't know a soul in all capitals on that list. And Bomani goes, Corey Moore was a 225-pound defensive end who put up huge sack numbers. Englenberger on the other side was really Engel, good. Engelberger. Engel, sorry, Engelberger. On the other side was really good. I only remember Ike Charlton because his name was Ike. Oh, and Andre Davis was really fast. See, I got nice, nice things to say, but come on. Yeah. Um... That's a, that's, that's a fair take from a national perspective. Okay, It if, is. Here's my yeah. take on it, though. The only game Virginia Tech, and correct me if I'm wrong, the only game Virginia Tech won that year, which was solely because of Vic, was the West Virginia game. He made a play in that game that nobody else on the roster could have made mm -hmm. 
that led to a win. Right. Other than that, again, I haven't sat down and broken down the whole schedule and all the scores. Other than that, I think Virginia Tech would have gone ten and one yeah, without yeah, yeah. Vic. No the last thing I'll say: someone tweets at Beaumont and says that '99 Virginia Tech team was loaded. Dot dot dot. Without Vic, still ten wins. He quotes it and says, "As a function of playing in the Big East, yes." Again, thoughts. I'm just curious what you guys think. Well, they did not have a tough schedule. That is true. Mm-hmm. Um, Miami was Miami was pretty good that year, you know. Um, yeah. Sir, I, I, Syracuse I, that, was good until Tech stole their souls. Basically. <laughs> 62 to nothing. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's another thing about that 99 season is the only game in which – I don't think they were really challenged by Clemson that year. Clemson wasn't that good. That was a good game going in the fourth quarter. Yeah, like and, and then Tech blew it open right. with their defense, Bomani, not Michael Vick. Right, right. Vick was coming off an injury. I think Vick only threw for about 70 yards that he didn't. He wasn't yeah. that impressive in yeah. that game. But uh, really the only game that was close was that WVU game, and that's just one of those freaky games where everything went wrong. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you are going to win a national championship, you're going to have at least one of those games. Tech, any, Tech could have played West Virginia ten times and beat them by three touchdowns, eight of those times. Well, yeah, West Virginia yeah, yeah. wasn't good that they were, year. They were not uh, good. And, and it always reminds me of the uh, the 98 national champion Tennessee team. They were dead in the water against Arkansas. Arkansas had them beat. Mm-hmm. Right. And then have you ever seen this play, Evan, where the Arkansas quarterback um, – They're kneeling they're it With down. the game well in hand, he, he pulls away from center, trips, and lays the ball on the ground, right. and Tennessee recovers it. Like they're taking a knee, Right. They're running the clock out. I have not. And he dropped the ball. Tennessee recovers it and scores and go on, goes on to win the national championship. You either need a great play, yeah. wow. which Michael Vick made, mm-hmm. and then Sean, Shane Graham followed up with a great kick, right. or you need a freaky thing to happen like what now, happened to Tennessee. I completely understand where Bamani Jones is coming from. Like I think your average college football fan in 1999, even your average media person, I mean, Tech was preseason number 13. Uh, they got one first place vote, some random dude in Michigan. Yeah, Arizona. Oh, Michigan, you're right. Yeah, and Lee Corso picked them to go undefeated. But for the most part, nobody knew who Virginia Tech was. Yeah. I mean, honestly, even Virginia Tech fans didn't know who Virginia Tech was. It's not like we were selling out in 1998. I mean, I, w- I went to the last game of the uh, second to last home, home game of the season that year. There were like 46, 47,000. I believe there. it was Rutgers, and it I was think Rutgers. it was 45,000 fans. Right. right. Yeah. So not even Virginia Tech fans knew what Virginia Tech was then. Yeah. So in hindsight, we can look back and be biased and say, oh, yeah, everybody else doesn't rec- recognize. Well, we didn't recognize either. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been putting 45,000 people in the stands the, the previous season, right? There, there was a buzz around that team. Because, there was. Because Frank was good about kind of dropping hints that Vic was right. a special player. And, right. and when they knew they had a lot of a lot of guys coming back on defense and, and a lot on offense frankly. yeah but, but remember there, there were like fifteen thousand people at the spring game that year and everybody thought it was a big deal right yeah that, that was the year that uh that was my first spring game it was the year that ron yell whitaker picked michael vick up and threw him down oh they were roommates remember yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i see i that was my first ever spring game and i walk out of there vick went like three of 12 and i'm like yeah that, guy's <laughs> that guy <not> stinks <laughs> so, so closing question though virginia tech that 1999 team michael vick was not the entire team oh no no, no 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 team had a great defense yeah um I, I, for people who never paid attention to Virginia Tech before, which I'm sure but Monty Jones never paid attention to Virginia right. Tech before, uh, I'm sure it did seem that way. Um, but honestly, it's, it's no different than I would feel if it's like some random West Coast team that 
I never paid attention to before Washington. it came out of nowhere. Right, right. Um, or, or, or Baylor when they went from being right, right, right. To yeah, that, that's 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 a good comparison. Um, so like, I can't blame anybody for what they thought. I mean, I remember I was playing high school football back that time, and like, kids in my school, two hours from Virginia Tech, it was like the best player on our team was a Penn State fan. And even during that season, he it was all oh, Penn State would kill Virginia Tech. I mean, just the perception of it. Yeah. Um, even, like, some of Tech's best players back in the day, like Marcus Parker, right? Um, if Marcus Parker didn't blow his knee out and pull State, Penn State hadn't revoked his offer, he would have gone to Penn State. Right. So there was a perception back then that, you know, Virginia Tech was not on the level with these other schools, yeah. even with some of the players that ended up playing at Virginia Tech before they got here. So the, right? the, year, the year after that, uh, or maybe within two or three years after that 99 season, a national writer – uh, wrote an article, uh, top 25 college football teams of all time, or top 50, something right. like that. Let's call it top 25. Uh, um, may have even been Dennis Dodd. And uh, he ranked that 99 Virginia Tech team like the 22nd or 23rd best college football team of all time. Right. Well, wow. yeah. Unfortunately, he ranked that Florida State team that beat them like the third best team. Yeah, that was Bowden's time. best team. Out, yeah. of, out of all those great teams Bowden had, that was his best, most likely. Yeah. And the thing about that Tech team, that Tech team would have trounced the 98 Tennessee team that won the national title. And, and they would have trounced that 2000 Oklahoma team that won the national I title. I know. It's all about so It's timing, all about timing, man. man. Yeah. Um, all about, like, Virginia Tech's Sweet 16 team last year, man. You know, they, they, they might win the ACC this year. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Last thing I'll say about this. One thing I learned about watching part one of the documentary, we can talk about the documentary itself more, like you said, later when this part two comes out. I had no idea Chris Winkie was 27 years old. Yeah, he'd play baseball. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. They had a graphic, and it was like Vic 19. I was like, what? Yeah. yeah. So, anyways. Okay. Let's turn it over to the best producer in land, Malcolm Stewart. It's time for the Facebook Live questions portion of the Tech Sideline <laughs> podcast. Malcolm, what's going on? How are we? Good. <clears throat> How are you? You woke him up, yeah. man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sounds like I don't he's know got what a cold or something. Yeah. By the way, real quick, Malcolm was at that. Uh, you took him to a game. He texted me, right? That 1999 season. Yeah. So that uh, uh, oh, yeah. Michael Vick's first game in Lane Stadium in uh, September of 1999. I took Jamie. Malcolm to that game. Was he was there. he was eight months old, and he was wearing a, a tie dyed onesie, and Love it was it. it was hot. Man, it was insanely hot. And he was a trooper. Malcolm, what do you remember about that game? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew Vic was good. See, I was crying because Daddy kept holding me, facing me away from the field. <laughs> so I have an old question from Mike Croft. I said I'd save it for him because it's okay. probably got a long answer. <clears throat> but he said, two years ago, LSU lost a home game to Troy. Since then, they've won a New Year's Six Bowl and a national championship. What is the best loss VT ever had that turned the program around? And could you possibly look at the Duke loss from 2019 as the potential turning point for the future of the program? You could, maybe. No, that, that to be determined. But, I mean, I, I think the way they – I mean, they immediately turned it around last year yeah. after that game. So, it's a possibility. We'll, we'll just have – we'll have to wait and see. Oh, as far as one single loss. The, uh, then probably the, 90, the, 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 the narrative during the 99 season – was that they remembered the 98 Temple game. Right. And that uh, the the article that got written over and over and over during the 1999 season was that uh, Virginia Tech 
uh, in the week leading up to whatever game would say, let's go win number three, let's go win number oh, yeah. four. That's when that started. They did not put a name on the opponent because they were feeling was that Temple was so bad in 98, they knew they were going to play Temple. And, and so they, they weren't up for that game. So they used that as motivation to be up for every single game in 1999. So you can argue that that's a, that's a loss that was good for the program, assuming that wasn't just crap for the media to, you know, well, it's, it's a good story, but is it true? Well, it's true, but let's face it. The players, they, they might break every huddle with win number three or whatever. They know exactly who they're playing. Yeah, I know. It's, it's you a know, story. You know, but, but what it does is tell them, it reminds them that you have to take every game. You have to treat every game the yeah. same, treat every game seriously and everything like that. Um, I don't know that I put the JMU loss in that category. That, that, no, that, that was a that was the second loss. To I, I think State, for a season, that's the only thing that came to mind for me was what they they strung together how many wins after the JMU loss and won the Orange Well, the, th- thing, the, the thing is, Tech, Tech was better than everybody they played after that, way better than everybody yeah. else on their schedule for the rest of that year. Whether or not they beat JMU or lost to JMU, if they play up to their potential the rest of the year, that they're going to win all those games either way. I just realized it just hit me for the first time ever. If Tech had somehow beaten Boise, didn't have the JMU slip up. That that was it. Right? That was yeah, the only Tech was ranked something like seventh in the country. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, that they could have, and I forget who ended up playing for the national title that year. Not that it matters. No, it sorry. Matter. Just, yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, it's a great you know, question. Though, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, so. yeah. You'll you'll have to see what happens this season. Um, I mean, if if they go eight and four, you're like, yeah, did they really turn it? Around? You know. Right. So anyway, sure. it's it's yeah. a good question, and it's one that we'll keep in our minds as we watch the next season for sure. <clears throat> All right, uh, Michael Sands. Looks like recruiting is heading in the right direction. What are the chances Coach Fuente will be in Blacksburg five years from now? Let's see. So that would be if he coaches five more years. That means he would have been here nine years. I would have to know in my head the average tenure length for for coaches. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, I'll answer it this way. I, I think he'll win enough games to be here five years yeah, from now. But yeah. will he be here five years right. from now? That, that, that's like the, if he makes a really good run the next year and the year after, and and a and you know a team comes calling with and, a lot and of Scott resources. Frost doesn't at Nebraska. But yeah. like that's where a place like Nebraska, where I think he'd be a good fit. He's a mid Midwest guy, man. Um, yeah. I, I just think he has a certain personality that they would like out there more than our fans like. And and again, the money disparity between the Big Ten and the SEC and the rest of the world, oh yeah, is enormous. Just is, you know, so, insane. Uh, so uh, that's that's the way I'll phrase my answer. Uh, uh, I think he'll win enough games to still be here five years from now. But will he? Yeah. Uh, those are the only questions, according to Malcolm. Is that really? it? So, right. how okay. about this? Oscar, well, we have been running long. We yeah. have. Uh, I'll, I'll close with this question because I'm, I'm, I've got Michael Vick fresh in my brain. What's your favorite Michael Vick Virginia Tech play? Is there one that stands out that you will just always remember and, and love? Well, the run against Boston College when he was a sophomore. He wasn't as good as a sophomore as he was when he was a freshman, but uh, he had that run against Boston College up there, Chestnut Hill, where – I remember I used to hope teams would get pressure so he would scramble. And that was one of those plays where the blocking just completely broke down and somehow he got out of it, stiff-armed the dude. And, and that was the 2000 season. 2000 um, season. Yeah, he didn't get tackled till till Emmett Johnson tackled him in the end zone as a celebration. I, yeah. Was, so so I agree with that, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Because um, um, after his 99 season, I adjusted my barometer 
or what, or my filter through which I viewed Michael Vick. And I unfortunately expected him to do amazing things. And, and that's unfortunate because you don't appreciate what you're looking at in the moment. And, and I, I recently saw some film of uh, Ralph Sampson playing for UVA back, back in his day. And, and I lived in Charlottesville. My high school years were Ralph Sampson's college years, so I saw him play a lot. And, and you do get used to watching greatness, and you forget how great it is. And I'm watching Ralph Sampson film, and he's pulling rebounds and dribbling coast to coast and dunking. Seven feet tall. And, and it's unbelievable stuff to watch. So I got used to watching Vic do great things. But I remember when he made that run, I literally laughed out loud by the end of it. Yeah. I, I just loved that play. I was just laughing. And Vern Lundquist just about wet himself trying to call that oh, thing. Yeah. He was, that was, oh, gosh, you know, Vern Lundquist style. He, he, well, he had never seen anything like that. Nobody had seen anything like that Come on, like you're Vern before. Lundquist. You've seen a lot of football. Yeah, you hadn't seen that. You know, and you're watching <laughs> that going, oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, and I, but I, I'll tell you when I first realized he was legit. Um, all right, so his first game of his career with JMU, it was not on TV. Yeah. So I listened to that game on the radio. I think I probably saw the highlights on Tech Sports today the next yeah. morning, but that that's not the same. Uh, but he got hurt that game on that flip into the end zone. And so I went to the UAB, UAB game the next week, and he didn't play. It was Dave Byer. Yeah. And then the next week was Clemson. He came back for Clemson but wasn't 100% and really didn't do much in that Clemson game outside of a Jew cure there. That was a defensive game that Corey Moore won in the fourth quarter. Fourth game of the season was UVA. That was the one time Tech and UVA have played, as far as in my lifetime at least, where the game wasn't played the last game of the season. Right. Yeah. It was played in October. I guess first or late September, early October. Uh, something tells yeah. me it was October. Yeah. Um, first drive of the game, he hits Andre Davis on a deep ball over their best corner, whose name was Tim Spruill. And – Davis was was past Brule, and Vic just put it, like, right there. Like, Davis reached out, and it just hit him right there. It was perfect. And There's actually a couple comments about that play. Yeah, and yeah. that's when I was like, whoa, man, we've never had anybody who could do that. He just flicked it. I mean, it was, it was yeah, his release was so fast. It was a deep ball, but it was like a bullet. Well, you know, it's funny. They talked about in the documentary. I forget the name. The quarterback's coach for Virginia Tech. He was just talking about – Ricky Bustle. Ricky Bustle. He was just pointing on his head. Like, when he wanted to throw, it was just like – I forget the, the context of it. He was just talking <laughs> about how accurate and pinpoint he could throw wherever I, he wanted. I remember the national championship game at one point. Um, they, they had a camera on Bustle in the booth. And whoever's calling the game was like, you got to like this if you're – this is when Tech came back and took the lead. He said, yeah. you got to like this if you're Ricky Bustle right now. Like, you got this big playbook right here, and you can call anything, and it's going to work <laughs> with, that, with that guy as your quarterback. And it was accurate for yeah. the most part. Awesome. Any comments worth mentioning or just people agreeing, Malcolm? Uh, there is one more question that yeah. I forgot to ask. We can take it in the wrap-up. Will Wright play inside or outside receiver? 6-1. 175. I'm inclined right. to believe that he's an outside receiver yeah. um, at this point. The thing, you know, like like we said before, for all I know, he could be 5'11". I mean, who knows? You, you, you never know about these heights. But right now I'm inclined to say outside. You watched his film. Was it uh, – I didn't watch it enough to – Okay. Yeah. I, I was looking more for athletic ability and yeah. things like that. Uh, so I was going to ask, was, was there a lot of short stuff that where he was juking and, and showing slot ability, or was it mostly what looked like outside stuff to you? He looks like a guy who could 
potentially play both, like Cam Phillips. Does Gr- has Grimsley played both? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Thanks to everybody for the questions. Appreciate it. Uh, fun show today. We talked yeah. a little bit of everything. I yeah. enjoyed the throwback talk of the 19. 19- I'm inclined to go back and watch the national championship game. It's on YouTube. Uh, I've never done it before. Watch first three quarters. It's it's just sad. Yeah, <laughs> it just makes you sad. Why, yeah. Well, let's end on a positive note, which includes our next Tech Sideline podcast on Wednesday featuring Tony Roby. Coach Tony Roby. Yes. Love having Coach Roby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's coming off a better weekend yeah. than he was last yeah. weekend. Yeah, yeah, wins against UVA, picked up a Commonwealth clash point, and a win over Old Dominion, who has a sneaky good wrestling team in 757. It's a good win. Yep. So yeah. uh, that's on Wednesday. That. Uh, what's coming but, but, up? On but the time for Roby is later. 11, 11. I believe. Not, we will not, confirm 9, 30, 11. 11. So uh, what's coming up on TSL this week, Chris? Hmm. Well, uh, I don't know if Jason has sent it yet or not, but we'll have an article on – on the defensive end, on Landon Watson, and he's going to reach out to uh, to uh, Wright. Is his first name Darnell? Don't ask me. <laughs> they start to run together. They're, they're run together. I've been doing this for too long. <laughs> I could hang on. I can uh, tell you in just a second. Um, Dallin. Dallin. Yeah. D a l l a. When in doubt, just say Mr. Wright. Say the say the name. Mr. Wright. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But. So Jason's yeah, team's starting to get in touch with them. He's already gotten in touch. As far with as what I'm going to write, I, honestly, I, I don't know. I haven't haven't had a chance to think about it yet. Yeah. Okay. That'll do it for this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. A reminder: if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. And uh, of course, it's a great time to join the Tech Sideline family as well. TechSideline.com, great content as well. Uh, check us out again. TechSideline.com. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all at Tech Sideline. Any closing thoughts before we sign off? No, let's get to it. Let's do it. All right, for the best best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart, the podcast set, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart. I'm your podcast host, Evan Musing. So long. Thanks so much for listening to episode 114 of the Tech Sideline podcast presented by Official Law Firm.